Hey, how about we read some scripture, and then I'll pray for us, and then uh, we'll get into the word. If you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at the first four verses for our first message, Romans 8, 1 to 4. Romans 8, 1 to 4, you can follow on screen or in your Bibles in front of you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement will be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Let's pray. Father, as we come together for WinterCon 22, Born of God, we really want to know what it means to live as children of God, to live out our identity in you. We don't want to turn to the left or to the right, but we want to walk along the straight and narrow path, walking with you always, never running ahead of you, never running astray. But we want to follow you. We know that you go before us. We know, Lord, that you've gone before us in a pillar of cloud, and a pillar of fire. And we look to you now, God, to start that fire in our hearts once again. For those of us that don't know you yet, we pray, Lord, that you would move our hearts, that you would truly call us to you, that we might know who you are, that we might love you, that you might awaken love inside of us. And for those of us that do know you, but have perhaps lost our way, Would you help us to find it again? You're the only one who can do this. You're the only one who can save us from ourselves. And so we turn to you. And we know that we can trust in you. So we place our full trust in you now. We ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us, would illuminate this word to us, would help us, Lord, to receive this free gift of grace that you have on offer for us. Help us to be open and transparent with one another. Help us, Lord, to love one another and to welcome one another in. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What does this passage tell us? It tells us that the law doesn't break the power of sin, but paradoxically, it seems to make things worse. The Apostle Paul, who's writing this, his own history demonstrates this as well. You know, perhaps your own upbringing, if you've grown up in church, like I think uh, Josh was saying that he was born in Tezun. Now, hopefully not born in the building, but born while he was here or while his parents were here. You know, you, perhaps your own upbringing of thinking about the Bible as a rule book might demonstrate this, that the law does not save, but paradoxically, it seems to make sin worse. If you've been at New Life throughout our recent baptism series, you saw my baptism photo, which is uh, right there on screen. It looks... Uh, yeah, it looks like what it looks like, <laughs> you know. You know that uh, from my sermon on faith at the time of baptism, you know, my faith at the time of baptism had very little bearing on the promises that God made through baptizing me. My faith at that time had no bearing on the promises of baptism that God gave me. I said at the time that my posture looked really bad. It looks just as bad now, <laughs> looking sideways. 
it kind of looks like I'm wearing my dad's suit. You know, it's, um, it's kind of overflowing over me, which adds to the effect. So after getting baptized, despite my best efforts to do things for God, there's very little dependence on God. You know, to my young mind, faith in God basically meant that I had to keep a bunch of rules to get him to love me, to get him to tolerate me, to get him to accept me. And I had no idea that faith in God meant a whole new identity of being his child. That did not make sense to me. Time passed. I began indulging in temptations here and there. Not a lot of time passed. Maybe an hour, maybe two. I got tired of following rules and feeling like I was getting nowhere. I don't know if you relate to this. I felt like God's approval wasn't growing. How could it? I felt like I wasn't doing a very good job of being good anyway. This is me almost 10 years after my baptism, when I was in my early to mid-20s. I don't know who took this photo. My world fell apart, and I was at like the lowest point of my life, and someone just happened to take this photo, and you know, I still had it to this day. So as I was spiraling downwards, I started diving straight into the sin and death that I probably craved all along, that I was really after all that time. I didn't deny myself anything, But in the end, I wasn't satisfied. I didn't feel any better. My sin and my idols, they kept wanting more from me instead of actually satisfying me, instead of doing things the other way around. Everything that I indulged in took more from me, and there was no fulfillment at the end of the day. The thought that kept repeating in my mind all those years after my baptism was, I gotta get right with God. I don't know why I thought this way, because I wasn't going to church at the time. I wasn't what I would call myself a Christian, but I kept thinking, I gotta get right with God. So I tried harder and harder to get right with God. And sin multiplied. You know, the more I tried, it felt like the further I was getting away, the further it seemed I was moving away from God's grace. Why? No matter how much I tried, grace eluded me. So the law that I was attempting to keep couldn't be fulfilled in my weak flesh. How could I keep the law with my weak flesh? I didn't have the power to keep the law. With my mind, I was serving the law of God by trying my best to to do what I thought that he wanted me to do. But with my flesh, the law of sin was my master. No matter how much I repeated that mantra, I gotta get right with God, I just gotta get right with God, the reality is, there's no getting there without God. It's like a man drowning in the middle of the ocean. I don't know if you've ever imagined yourself in this situation. I don't know why I imagine these situations. But imagine that you're in the middle of the ocean, there's no one around, and you start drowning. What's gonna save you? Without someone to pull you out, you're already dead. But people were praying for me at this time. People were staging interventions in whatever way they knew how. They even got me signed up for a winter con. They made me pay in advance so that I wouldn't cheap out on them. You know, maybe that's some of your stories as well. So that I wouldn't just not show up. So there I was, I was sitting in a room kind of like this, a little bit 
shabbier. This is a lot nicer than the WinterCon that I was at. Not quite knowing how I ended up there. When the night before, as high as a kite, in the morning of WinterCon, I wanted to die. But God's promises were effective, even if my own efforts were weak. Mysteriously, he got me into that room just like he brought you here today. And that night, I heard about how he had set other people just like me free. Romans 8, 1-2 reads, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And it sounds too good to be true. If you read that back to yourself, if you summarize it in your own words, it sounds too good to be true. The condemnation that's being talked about is the curse. You know, John just did a spoken word poem, and it came from after Genesis 3, after the fall, when the curse was placed on humanity. And the condemnation that's being talked about here is that curse, the death that we deserve as children of Adam as humans who have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. This is that curse. But we're being told here that now there's no condemnation. The curse has been removed for those in Christ. Now this feels against everything that we've ever grown up to know. You know, I don't know if you guys are really good at spotting a a scam when it's happening. You know, we often get those phone calls telling us it's from Telstra, and clearly it's not, right? We're conditioned to wonder, what's the catch when we hear something is being given away? Have you ever received those emails that tell you, hey, you've won? Just click here. Put in your bank details. You've won. My friend told me once that he got an email offering him an iPhone for a dollar. He was so excited. He was telling me all about this iPhone that he's about to get, I thought he was joking. I was like, yeah, I know. We get those emails a lot. He's like, oh, did you get one too? I said, no. I had to break the news to him. It wasn't even free. It was a dollar. You had to pay a dollar. So clearly, I had to break the bad news to him. And so in us remains this wrestle. What's the catch? What do I have to do to earn it? When we found out Many months ago that Bora was pregnant with Jonas, it came as a shock to me, as you can imagine. There's a a video of my reaction that can never see the light of day because Bora did it very, uh, you know, without me knowing, obviously. It was supposed to be a surprise and I was getting changed. And so, very awkward. After seven years of marriage, of wondering why we weren't having kids, of having doors to medical intervention closed to us, because of long waiting lists and then a global pandemic that changed everything. And finally, we came to the end of ourselves. We came to terms with the thought, maybe it's just not in God's plans to give us a child. And so literally, on the drive up from Melbourne to start here at New Life, we had this long, meaningful talk about these things, and we decided we're not going to try There's no use going through that heartache anymore. So you can imagine that when Bora surprised me with a positive pregnancy test, it felt like a sick joke. 
You know, it felt kind of like the idea that it could be true was the furthest thing from my mind. Like the first thought that came to my mind was, why would this come out as positive? Like, is it some sort of weird chemical reaction? And I tried to think back to year 10 chemistry, and I couldn't remember anything. I stared at that test for longer than any of us have probably stared at, you know, rat tests that we do for COVID, wondering why on earth she would even have this test. Why would she even go out and buy this test? I think she met a couple of sisters from New Life, and then she went and bought tests afterwards. And so I was sitting there trying to figure out why did it say positive? See, the result was already in, and there was nothing more for me to do but to accept and to believe that it was true and then to enter into a new season in my identity as a soon-to-be father. But my mind couldn't catch up. It couldn't grasp what was going on. My heart couldn't allow itself to believe and to have hope. And so, I marched forward downstairs and I made her take another pregnancy test just to prove it was true. I didn't believe it. What if it didn't end there? What if I just kept going? I kept doing more and more stringent tests until she finally threw me out of the house or something. You know, what if I kept demanding more and more to confirm the reality of what was going on? Would I have never entered into the joy that I experience now? Here's what was done, how our salvation was earned. Verses three to four. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement will be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, there's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Why? Because in him, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, death has already been conquered through our union with Jesus. We've already died with Jesus, and we've been raised with him. And so sin and death no longer hold dominion over us. Because in the flesh of Jesus, sin itself was condemned, and death was conquered. Because of Jesus, because of his life, his death, and his resurrection, we're delivered. This means that there's not only a freedom from law's rule over our lives, and along with it, sin and death, there's a new freedom, a liberation into something new, a deliverance into new life for believers. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, Shawshank Redemption. You know, I'm talking to uh, older members of our congregation these days, and they're always like, please don't tell us how old certain things are because they make us feel really old. Shawshank Redemption was 30 years ago. Yes, you old guys are very old, just like me. In Shawshank Redemption, a prisoner named Brooks gets released from prison after 50 years of serving time. But life on the inside hasn't prepared him for life on the outside. So what does he do? He gets out and he can't cope with life on the outside. Freedom from prison is worth very little if it's not deliverance into a new life. But so many Christians stop there. Do you relate to this? Do you relate to this part of the journey? 
Like, I believe in Christ, I'm set free, but what am I set free into? They stop at freedom from the old life, but not quite getting to the new life. And so they live out their old lives all over again, wondering how they can earn God's approval in this new life. What do you think of being born of God? This is our WinterCon theme. What does it mean to you that you're born of God? You're born again, you're adopted, you call God Father, meaning you're his child. Because he loves you, he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself under the law. What the law could not do since it was weakened by flesh, God did, Romans 8.3 tells us. When I was sitting, listening at WinterCon all those years ago, I didn't quite know what to make of it when they were talking about the gospel. Like, how would I be set free? These are the questions that I had on my mind. When these people talked about freedom from their old lives, I recognized their old lives because that was a mirror image of my current life. But I didn't recognize what they talked about when it came to freedom. I didn't recognize what they talked about when it came to this new life that they were living. How would I be set free? I wanted to know what I had to do. So I stuck around. I didn't know what to do. People prayed for me. Talk to me about Jesus, and that's it. Like, what do you mean? I didn't know what to make of it still. At the end of our conversation, at the end of our prayers, what do you mean God did it? What do I have to do? Was a question on my mind. I went to bed that night, just trying to believe what they talked about, unsure of what would happen. Like, am I going to go straight back, back into my addictions tomorrow? Am I just going to give up again tomorrow? And the next morning I woke up and loved Jesus. Now, it's hard to explain, okay? But God's work is undeniable. You who've experienced it, you know this already. The prayers of his people were effective. And if God had already done it all, what more was there for me to do but to love him? Now I know what it means to have a son. Never did before, but I love to see him smile and laugh. You know, that's the last thing I wanted to do before I left. Just see him smile and laugh. He didn't grant me that, unfortunately. He was crying. I hate when he's in pain or discomfort. You know, some of you guys know. I mean, like, he goes through all these different allergic reactions, infections, all sorts of stuff. I think about him all the time when I'm away from him. To see that our Father God gave his own Son to take our punishment on our behalf. That Jesus would become the sin offering. I know how I feel about my Son and my own emotions. They're not perfect because I'm not perfect. But God is. He feels perfectly. Do you know what this means? To the fullest extent, he experiences this pain this hurt, the grief of giving his son over and over again because he exists outside of time. To him, the crucifixion is new every single time and he experiences it. 
And yet he condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Jesus incarnated here on earth in human flesh or in sinful flesh, as the passage tells us, and yet he didn't sin. And so God was able to condemn sin in his flesh. As Jesus hung upon the cross, he took on all of the Father's condemnation against sin, past, present, future. On the basis of this, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, you have your deliverance from sin and death. Deliverance into what, though? This is the question we aim to answer. You're released from prison, but freedom means nothing without deliverance into a new life. We've got to remember this. You're delivered, you're born again, adopted into the family of God. You can call him Father. To reject this will be to reject what God has declared over you. He's already given the high price of his son's blood on your behalf, graciously choosing to save you, telling you, as you're freed from sin and death, you're my son. I've adopted you into my family today. J.I. Packer, in his book, uh, Knowing God, he says this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, and you can do this for yourself, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Adoption into God's family means something. See, not only is it transformative of our understanding of Christianity, it enables our new life. The Holy Spirit has set you free from the powers of sin and death. So there's now no condemnation for those in Christ, and you're free to live as a follower of Christ, as a son and daughter of the family of God. That's you, a son or a daughter of our Father God. Once there was a law which gave you the ideal to live to, but it didn't do anything to enable you to complete it to fulfill it, which is why we were drowning in our own flesh. No matter how much we tried, we were tainted by our own sinful motivations. But because of Christ's deliverance, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart, which means that God has written his law upon the tablet of your heart. You're strengthened, given the power of God to obey him, to be made holy, to look more and more like the image of his son, day by day. This WinterCon, you already know the theme, born of God. I encourage you, spend time praying and asking the Father to help you to know what it means to be his son or his daughter. This is imperative. Before you go from here, you must pray this prayer. It'll mean some changes in your life as well. A child of God should resemble his family more and more and we'll talk about this tomorrow, which means acknowledging that some things in our lives and our hearts, they have to go. Perhaps no one's confronted you about these things before, but you yourself know what these things are, and they've gotta go. If you're unable to acknowledge the sin and idolatry of your heart, 
then what Christ paid for on the cross to deliver you seems so little, seems so trivial, seems so unimportant. And so when we talk about Jesus giving himself on the cross, you don't care. And then there's no true transformation in your life. Maybe there's fear that causes you to be unable to face this out-of-order desire in your heart that makes you unable to objectively recognize the sin and idolatry that exists in your heart. But once you truly know God's fatherly love, once you know it, and you know that it'll never fail you, never leave you, nor forsake you, you'll face yourself and see your sin honestly, and your love for God will deepen. Throughout the rest of WinterCon, let's spend time deep in prayer, in talks with your group members, honestly confessing and repenting in order to uproot the idols of your hearts. And there will be time for those things so that you may live born of God. Let's pray. Father, when we read this passage, when we sing these songs, when we pray these prayers, we want for our hearts to rejoice inside of us because our hearts know what it means to be born of God. We don't want to be freed from our old lives of sin only to return back to it like a dog returning to its vomit. But we want to look to the new life. We're not freed just to enter back into prison into slavery to sin, but we're freed on the basis of your son Jesus' righteousness into a new life. And we want to take hold of this new life. For that to happen, Lord, we need the fullest understanding, the fullest clarity, the life-changing transformation that comes with knowing what it means that your son gave himself for us. Let us face our sin objectively. Let us admit our idolatry openly. Let us accept one another lovingly. And in these things, may we know what it means to live as a son and as a daughter in your family. We thank you, Lord, that you gave your son, that you might receive so many more sons and daughters. We pray, Lord, that you would add to your number tonight, tomorrow, and the next day. We pray, Lord, that we would be among that number, that we would know what it truly means to be born of God. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.